we discuss the first mindset for success which is positive thinking and then the second mindset for success was take responsibility for your thoughts the third mindset for success was inspiration become inspired but it's still not enough to succeed because even the decoits are inspired al capone was extremely inspired veerappan was extremely inspired phoolan devi was very inspired you can be inspired in the wrong direction that's why the fourth mindset comes what is this fourth mindset do you wish to know we discuss the first mindset for success which is positive thinking and then the second mindset for success was take responsibility for your thoughts the third mindset for success was inspiration become inspired now the fourth mindset is purify your intention a few years ago there was a big scam in the indian corporate world mr ramalinga naidu who was the ceo and founder of satyam he was found to have siphoned off 1.3 billion dollars which was about 10000 crore rupees with the help of which he had villas in 63 countries and he had 15 cars including bmws and mercedes he had 300 pairs of shoes he was showing false employees in his company role thereby siphoning off 300 million dollars every year definitely he was highly inspired to create this it giant in india but where he missed out was the purity of intention so if we wish to succeed as a human being and if we wish to succeed in the eyes of god we need to see what is the intention behind our efforts and the intention behind our works how do we get to know that our intention is off the mark in the eyes of god how do you know that your intention is not pure God has created a parameter within which will ring the bell just like 
if you put your hand in the fire two things will happen firstly the hand will start getting burnt and secondly you will experience pain the hand getting burnt is a terrible thing experiencing pain is not a terrible thing experiencing pain is a blessing because that tells you there's something wrong you watch out you need to pull your hand out we people run away from pain oh my god this pain doctor give me a painkiller but the pain is like the bell which is telling you there's something wrong god has fitted 5 million 50 lakh pain sensors in this body to warn you right away there's some problem beware similarly god has created something to warn you kuch gadbad hai if you find anger arising greed arising tension and anxiety arising they are all indicators in god's machine which he has given to us watch out you are going off balance and when it's related to work ultimately most of your day is spent working right so spiritual science needs to explain and address your work if spirituality only applies to the half hour when you sit in dhyan that kind of spirituality is no use spirituality should address your work where you are spending half your life so what is the pain sensor in work that tells you your intention is not pure this is stress how i will explain to you patiently you keep listening and i'll explain the whole science of stress how i got to study it was that when i went few years ago to chicago there is an iit alumni association of midwest that meets in chicago so they got very very senior people you know who are like ceos of different places and they came to know that swami ji is also an alumnus of iit so they sent me a request to speak in their monthly meeting i said uh, tell me what topic should i speak about should i speak on how to realize god they don't speak about god because that's old fashioned and most of our members don't believe in god so i said you suggest the topic they said speak on stress management so all right if you don't believe in god then believe in stress management so that is when i studied the stress what is stress it's in particular a 21st century disease but it has existed always in the 19th century the richest man in the world was john d rockefeller who was the president of the standard oil corporation of houston so on this particular day john rockefeller had a business decision to make 
Goods of the Standard Oil Corporation needed to be transported by railroad from Houston to Chicago. The dilemma before Rockefeller was whether to get the insurance of the goods or not. Insurance would have cost $150. Now for a person like him, $150 is not much. But he was so attached to wealth, it's an important matter, $150. Should I, should I not, should I, should I not, should I, should I not. So he decided that let's take the risk and send them uninsured. However, when the train with the goods left the station, he got the news that a storm has developed on the way. Now he caught his head penny-wise, dollar-foolish. To save $150, I have put tens of thousands of dollars at risk. He decided to use his clout with the insurance company and procure the policy by hook or by crook. So, the insurance corporation had closed their office for the evening. But he used his influence to get them to come back and open the office and give him the insurance illegally after the goods had departed. By midnight, he walked out of the office with glee on his face with the insurance policy in his hand. The next morning, at 9 o'clock, he got the news that the train had reached safe and sound. He had wasted $150. Now the loss of a tiny fortune for him created almost a heart attack. He was so stressed out. He just kept pacing up and down his office room till 2 in the afternoon. That kind of stress which was building up in Rockefeller began to tell on his health. And doctors told him that if you don't change your lifestyle, you will not survive for more than three years longer. At that time, he made a big decision. It is possible that Swami Vivekananda was also instrumental in it because he went and met Swami Vivekananda many times. He started engaging in philanthropic work and started the Rockefeller Foundation which did philanthropy, charitable works throughout the world. John Rockefeller continued to live for another 25 years. This story is from the 19th century and today we are in the 21st century. The world has speeded up beyond everyone's wildest imagination. With the help of mobiles and pagers and Skype and Viber and WhatsApp and emails etc., until practically everybody is feeling stress. In particular, this is called the executive's disease. Executives are more vulnerable to stress. And what is the consequence of stress? 
it first of all disturbs the peace of the mind and secondly it affects the health it leads to hypertension weakness of heart ulcers acidity disruption of digestion and so many problems nowadays some people estimate that 30% of the medical problems have a correlation to stress that is why scientists began studying stress and nowadays the concept the term stress management has become very popular the first scientist to ponder over the cause of stress was a person called Walter Cannon in 1936 and his findings led to the famous theory called the fight or flight response Walter Cannon discovered that when animals experience a threat to their life their mind becomes stressed and because of that their body the organs secrete certain enzyme and chemicals pumping adrenaline into the blood stream etc that increase the animal's ability to either fight or take flight for that purpose the heart starts pounding the blood pressure increases the blood is diverted from the skin to the muscles and the organs sweat breaks out to cool the muscles and the organs and the mind is riveted on the object of threat now for animals all these bodily changes are highly beneficial because they enable the animal to increase its chances of survival then walter cannon discovered that we human beings when we experience stress our body also responds in the same manner unfortunately in our case the stress is invariably not a threat to life it is an economic stress a financial stress emotional stress whatever but the body is responding in the same way and that is what is creating problems so what is stress to an engineer and many of you are engineers here stress is the force in a machine part in a beam in an engine in a structure that tends to shear it twist it turn it bend it break it crush it but the problem is we human beings also when we face the external environment and we perceive the resources i need to handle this situation financial resources spiritual wisdom emotional resources social resources physical resources are not sufficient to suitably take care of the external situation i am facing our emotional inner personality experiences stress and that is the problem so because stress 
has become so pervasive and it affects us in so many ways that is why this question arises that how to reduce and dissolve stress there are various techniques being touted in the world you do tai chi you do yoga you do meditation you go for a walk by the seaside you listen to soothing music but you know these techniques that are being taught are presented as cures for stress a suitable analogy for it is that somebody has got malaria his fever has gone up he's got fever and somebody says oh you've got fever take a crocin take a aspirin etc it will bring the fever down it will bring the fever down but it will not take care of the malaria within it is only symptomatic similarly all these solutions that are being presented in the name of stress management are taking care of the symptoms but not addressing the disease the root cause of stress what is the root cause of stress shri krishna said it 5000 years ago कर्मण्येवाधिकारस्ते अर्जुन डू योर ड्यूटी डोंट बी अटैच टू द फ्रूट्स ऑफ योर एफर्ट्स देर इज द रीजन फॉर स्ट्रेस वाई डू वी बिकम स्ट्रेस्ड वी डोंट ओनली डू आर ड्यूटी we become invested in outcomes aisa hona chahiye aisa nahi hona chahiye this attachment to results is what stresses us think about it stress is not because of hard work you can work from morning to night with a song on your lips and no stress at all working will not stress you there are people who work really hard and they're not stressed they enjoy their work what stresses you is when the mind is attached to the outcome one student came to me and they liked the lecture then they start doubting swami ji If I attend your lectures will I have to become a swami ji myself <laughs> Who is telling you that That's not what the Bhagavad Gita is telling In fact the Bhagavad Gita is the very reverse Arjun seeing his duty to be difficult he wanted to take flight run away Mujhse nahi hoga and shri krishna is convincing him through the 18 chapters no arjun you have to do your duty so spirituality doesn't mean that you give up work spirituality means you understand the true science of work 
so out here people create a doubt that supposing i am not attached to the outcomes how will i work properly are baba ji aap kya jante hain what do you know i am in this cutting edge environment of the corporate world if my performance reduces by a little bit i will be left out in the rat race what do you know but tell me if you succeed in the rat race then you will definitely be a rat isn't it <laughs> but nevertheless even if you wish to win the rat race being detached from the outcomes will only help you if your mind is detached from outcomes your intellect is calm and equipoised and you can perform at optimal efficiency like let's say you go for a job interview now you've not had a job since 6 months and the mortgage is piling up it's a critical matter so will i get selected will i not get selected 30 other people have been called with all these thoughts in your head the interviewer asks he says that how old are you and where do you live as for your age you respond dallas where do you live you say 45 years what happened your intellect got stressed out so your efficiency reduced in other words to think that if i am not stressed my work will suffer is the wrong understanding if you are not stressed your intellect will become totally normal ask surgeons they have to do such fine work a little carelessness out there can mean a matter of life and death so a surgeon has been performing operations since the last 30 years he is a reputed surgeon of the dfw metroplex but today all of a sudden his son had an appendix burst and an immediate surgery was required you tell the surgeon you operate on your son are nahi baba why what's the matter you are the best surgeon around no no my son's matter i will become nervous and make a mistake i'll get my friend you come and do the surgery so the surgeon is realizing that if he is invested in outcomes his work will suffer and if he is free from that attachment he'll be able to perform at the optimal skill level this is called nato not attached to outcome see when you work in that spirit not only do you work better but you also enjoy your work like for example people play golf and where is all the excitement it is all about the outcome whether it is under par or over par how am i doing so they are not enjoying the shot they are only enjoying the score 
Instead, you forget about the score. Just focus on playing the best shot and enjoy taking aim, taking the golf club up and bringing it down properly, coordinating your musculoskeletal system. Focus on the shot. You will realize you get the best score of your life automatically. So, when Sri Krishna gave us the science of work, this is exactly what it was. He did not ask us to stop working. Stop working is for a few crazy people like myself. But what Sri Krishna is telling you, Yogina karma kurvanti sangam tyaktvatma shuddhaye This is a beautiful verse. Of the Bhagavad Gita, I believe it's the 11th verse of the 5th chapter. Yogina, karma kurvanti. Sri Krishna is defining who is a yogi. So, what does he say? If you can do chakrasana, are you a yogi? No. If you can do mayurasana, are you a yogi? No. If you can do brahmari and hold your breath for a full minute, are you a yogi? Says, no Arjun, yogina karma kurvanti sangantyaktvatma shuddhaye. Who is a yogi? One who is working. He may be a king like Dhruv, Prahlad, Ambarish, Prithu, Vibhishan. These great kings were great karma yogis. They were ruling kingdoms. Now to rule a kingdom, you have to do samdam dandbhedh. Otherwise, how do you keep your kingdom intact? Doing all that, they were still detached from the fruits. These were the yogis according to Sri Krishna, the karma yogis. So, the art then is kamana chodo. Kam na chodo. Kam is work, right? Kamna is desire. So, Kamna Chodo, give up desire for the fruit. Don't give up the work that you are doing. Now, give up attachment. How do you give up attachment? This mind is such that the more you say, okay, give up attachment, the more it will get attached. Swamiji said, give up attachment. Whom should I give up attachment to? Where is my mind attached? It is attached to the jalebi. So stop thinking of what? Stop thinking of jalebi. Every time you think of giving up attachment to what? The jalebi, the jalebi will come in your mind. And it will only increase your attachment, not decrease it. So, how do you give up attachment? You see, the Bhagavad Gita is so beautiful in its philosophy. It goes far beyond Vipassana. Somebody asks, what is the difference between Vipassana and the Bhagavad Gita? The Vipassana is only telling you to give up, renounce. The Bhagavad Gita is going beyond. It's saying, don't just give up. Attach yourself to God. 
So you detach from here and attach out here. One is coming from the minus y axis to the x axis and one is going on the plus y axis. It's not just a question of giving up. It's a question of developing loving attachment to God and that is karma yoga. So what does the karma yogi do? The karma yogi has detached the mind from here and attached the mind to God. And when the mind is attached to God, then your intention will become pure. How? Whatever you do, don't do it for yourself. Do it for the pleasure of God. He is the enjoyer. So what does the karma yogi do? He does all his or her works for the pleasure of God. Yat karoshi yad ashtasi yad juhosi dadasi yat yat tapasyasi kaunteya tad gurushvamadarpanam Arjun, whatever you do, whatever you drink, whatever you eat, whatever austerities you perform, whatever you give away in charity, Tatkurushva Madarpanam, do it all as an offering unto me. That is the beautiful philosophy of Karma Yoga.